Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. What do you have in common with that senior dude? What does that young adult have in common with this sixth grade girl? The fact is we're all brought together into this hodgepodge family because friends, at the center of who we are is Jesus Christ. What we have in common is not that we're all awesome. It's actually the opposite, that we all are in need of a savior. And so tonight we come together in our common faith, our common belief that we can be with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Like, for real, are you here because you believe that? (laughs) Do you believe it a little bit? (laughs) You're like, dude, we got to go back to the beginning. Open up your Bibles to page one. Uh, (laughs) We got to start from basics, but no. So tonight, check it out. Tonight, we are wrapping up. Tonight is the series finale of our series, Fear the Name. We're in the book of Malachi. And tonight, we're in our last message. Everybody say, aw. How many of you guys are going to miss Malachi? Like, for real? Yeah, I'm going to miss Malachi. Malachi's the only dude, like, he's the kind of dude that can, like, kick you in the teeth and you still love him. You know what I mean? Like, he'll come up to me like, bam! And you're like, oh, what a guy. I love that Malachi, right? He just loves me so much. Somebody said to me once, they go, dude, you're like, you've been intense in the book of Malachi. And I go, dude, I'm just Malachiing it. I'm just, dude, I'm just Malachiing it right now, man, you know, because it's a prophet. But we're in our last sermon, our last episode, if you will, of this series. And tonight I want to talk to you about something very special. I've saved perhaps the best for last, literally the last text for last. And so in honor of the end of the series, I want to talk to you guys about the end of the world. The end of the world. How many of you guys think about the end of the world? What do you think of? When you hear the phrase, the end of the world. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, okay, what else? Uh, Trumpets, dead, right. What else do you think of? When I say end of the world, what do you think of? It's going to be gray, okay. Any zombie lovers in here? Dude, I remember, what's what's that show, Walking Dead? How many people watch TWD? Yeah, you guys are weirdos, dude. I remember the first time somebody tried to sell me on The Walking Dead, and I was like, you're serious? Dude, it's awesome. The character development is so, and I'm like, they're dead. What kind of character development do you have, you know? And so in, in our world, there's a few different things, right? There, you could even say there's like an obsession with the end of the world. A lot of people are very interested in the concept the end of the world. And so some people, they're so obsessed that you'll find them outside of the stadium, right? I went to a Seahawks game last year. They were playing the Eagles, who lost in Seattle. And so, go figure. And there's these dudes standing out here. The end is near, you know? And they're not like, hey, how you doing, Piper? Just wanted to let you know and inform you uh, that the end is near. Courtesy call, okay? They're like, the end is near! They're just the weirdest people sometimes, you know? And you're like, dude, you're embarrassing me, right? Like, what do you do? And like, there was one guy who ran by, the dude with the microphone, and he's like, repent, the end is near. And the guy literally ran by and yanked his microphone and ran. And I'm just like, oh, I feel bad for the guy. 
but I don't, I, I don't know, right? And so some people, they kind of have this doomsday announcement, the end is near. Another way that we're obsessed with it is in movie culture, right? How many people have seen the book of Eli? Spoiler alert, he can't see, right? <laughs> oh, just did him dirty. Uh, you'll get that, right? I just spoiler alert on podcast world. And so the book of Eli, right? This picture where everybody's gone except for a few. Look, the cars don't work. There's no electricity. And it's just the earth is sent back into the Stone Age. Another movie that was crazy, The Day After Tomorrow. Anybody see that one? Dude, how chilling of a picture is that? Like the Statue of Liberty is up to its shoulders in water, you know? The end of the world. The end is near. You know what's another low-key obsession with the end of the world that most people don't realize? Few people realize that hipster outfit is none other than apocalyptic wear. (laughs) Tell me that dude's not dressed for the end of the world. (laughs) Just saying, right? You're like, somebody was in their room, they're like, what can we really roll out this fall? And you're like, I got it. End of the world, zombie apocalypse, survivor gear. You know, and it's like, literally, the trench coat just does it for me, you know? We are obsessed with the end of the world. And so today, we see a little bit of a different picture of what the end of the world is. We get some clarification about the end of the world. And as Malachi ends his book, as Malachi gets to the end of the text here, he's going to show us what the end of the world looks like. And his message is this, the end is near. The end is near. Are you guys ready for the end of Malachi? Are you ready for the end of the world? Good. Let's get into it. Here we go. Starting in chapter 3, verse 13. Check this out. Here we go. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken hard against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What's the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed evildoers, like they not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. This is the dialogue, the final dialogue between God and Israel. And what we see here is that sometimes serving God seems pointless. As you guys get older, as you're Christians in this world, sometimes serving God will seem pointless. Pointless. So there's this crowd here, right? And, there's, and just, let's call it as it is. This is a crowd of fools, okay? And look what they say. This crowd of fools, they say, it's in vain to serve God. Do you guys know what vain means? Not like you're into yourself. That's a different type of vain. This kind of vain is like, what good is it? What's the point? Serving God is vain. What's the point? They say, what is the profit? What does it profit? That's like a money word. They're basically saying, serving God, you know, that's actually not financially rewarding. So, so what they're saying, you, you see their heart here. What's most important is not following the design of the designer. What's most important is, cha-ching, making that paper. And because serving God doesn't make money, they conclude, yeah, it's really not worth it. Serving God, there's no gain in that. I'm gonna go do my side hustle instead called sin. And so they say serving God is vain. There's no point, there's no reward. And so look what they do. 
They say evildoers not only, pro- oh, oh, no. So even worse, not only are they not making money, but they're looking around at the people that are doing evil and they're going, well, they're doing pretty good. They're looking around at the people that are not serving God and they go, man, they, their integrity is not keeping them from that hustle. And they just got paid. Not only that, like, I, I know God has always said, and I know what my mom said, that, you know, the wicked will not prosper, but I mean, they, they seem to be getting away with it. And so because evildoers seem to be doing well, because there's no profit, because they think it's vain, they have stopped serving God. They say, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Here's where we are. We call the arrogant blessed. We've committed their li- they, they've committed their lives to living for themselves, to being an evildoer. And so students, the thing that is most important in their lives is not what does God say? The thing that's most important in their lives is what pays. What pays? That's where their hearts are. And so they've committed to doing evil because they think evil wins. Young students, life lesson here, okay? We can have low moments. I'm going to be straight up with you, okay? For, for seniors who are going away to college and our young adults who are at university, like, there will come points in your life where you look around and you just start to say, and, and maybe you even feel guilty, dude. Like maybe you're in college and you're like, how could I even have this thought? But if I'm being real, if I'm being honest with myself, I start to go, is it really worth it? it is serving God really, what's the point? And so you look around, you look around at the people, right? You look around at your classmates who they're not serving God. Dude, and they're successful. They're, they're prospering. Their integrity is not getting in the way and they don't have this easy conscience and they're doing whatever they want and they're succeeding. And then you look around and you go, you know what makes it even worse? You look around the world and you see that people who are serving God, they're getting taken advantage of and they're struggling and they're being persecuted, they're being killed. And you look at the discrepancy here and you go, man, is this really worth it? What's the point? Everybody say, what's the point? These are normal feelings, okay? King David, right, the one who wrote most of the Psalms, he even came to a point, and look what he says in Psalm 73. He says, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. That means they they got food, right? They're never struggling to find out what's in the kitchen. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. And so look what he says. He goes, in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. Students, there's times in your life that you will have low moments just like the psalmist here. And you wonder to yourself, what's the point? And so right here in the book of Malachi, we have this crowd of people, right? And they're not like godly people who are just having a low moment. This crowd, they're fools. And they're, they're just spewing foolishness out of their mouths. And here's what they're saying. They're going, there is no point. The godly people, sometimes they go, what's the point? But these, this crowd of fools, they're declaring, there is no point. 
They've lost perspective, students. And tell you what, serving God will always seem pointless and worthless when you're short-sighted, when you're not seeing the big picture. And so what God is about to do here because they've forgotten the big picture and they've gone after sin because they want something that's profitable, God is going to remind them of the big picture and show them what really is profitable. And you know how he's going to do that? By painting a picture of the end of the world. Check it out. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord, they spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. And then once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Friends, here's what we learn here. Even when some forget the point, God remembers the godly. Even when some forget the point, God remembers the godly. And so here, right, the crowd, they're saying, hey, there's no point. There's no point in serving God. But in the midst of this crowd of fools, we find a community of God. Look, check it out. Look what we find. In the midst of this crowd of fools, we find this community of God. And look what they say, right? These are people who fear the Lord. In the midst of this crowd, there's still a handful of people. Everybody say remnant. You know what a remnant is? A remnant is like after you ate all the cookies, but on the bottom there's still a remnant, right, that remains. And you're like, I just want the remnant, please, right? Or maybe you get mad like me that they only left you a remnant, and you're like, you left it in the fridge? Just throw the bag out. Anybody there? Right? Dude, if there's only like the ends of the bread left in the bag, you don't leave it. That doesn't count, okay? Life lesson there. That one's for free, okay? So there's this crowd of fools who are, they're just, they're foolish, but in the midst of that, there's this remnant of people who steer, still fear the Lord. And look what they do. They spoke with one another. They spoke. And so just a few moments ago, we heard the crowd, they were speaking, but they were spewing foolishness out of their mouth and their words were hard on the Lord. But in contrast to the crowd, this community of God, they speak. And what they're speaking, because they fear the Lord, they're speaking righteousness. And it's like their words are refreshing to God. And you know what God does when he hears their words? He writes it down in his book of remembrance. And so people are saying, what's the point of serving God? And Malachi says, you want to know what the point is? You want to know what the point of serving God is? Look at the book. You want to know what the point of living a godly life is? Look at the book. And so we see here a book of remembrance. If you were a king, okay, in the old days, olden days, some would say, if you were a king and you wanted to remember important laws or, or important edicts or decisions or censuses, sensi, census, many censuses, that's frustrating. If you wanted to remember the census, all of them, um, you know what you would do? You would write it in your royal official book. You would write it down in this official book because guess what? As a king, you didn't have the internet, you know? Like King Xerxes wasn't like, what did my father Darius say? Google, 622, Darius's decisions. You don't Google things. 
the only way that you would remember things is you would write them down in this official book. And friends, if something got written down in one of these official royal books, it was law. It would never be forgotten virtually because this is like, this was the log. And so what the point is here, God has one of those books. That's kind of cool. That's the picture. God, he has one of these books. And in his book, he has written the names and the words and the deeds of the righteous people, of the community of God. And so the point is this, right? He will never forget them. People are saying, what's the point? And Malachi's like, what's the point? God sees them. God will never forget them. They're in his book. And friends, if they're in his book, those whose names are found there, they will get to be with him forever. Those whose names are written in this book, those who serve him in righteousness, at the end of the world, on the last day, when God gathers together all of the people who are his, they're gonna be the names of the people who are written in the book. You don't think there's a point to serving God? Remember the book. You don't think there's a point? Here's the big idea, friends. Those who live for him will get to be with him. Those who live for him, those are the ones that he will remember forever. And when he gathers his family together, they will be with him. Does that make sense? Those who live for him will get to be with him. And so the crowd, right? This crowd of fools, they're like, yo, there is no point. It's not worth serving God. But Malachi says, at the end of the world, the point will be clear. God will never forget these people. If you're a righteous person, if you serve the God, God will never forget you and you will be with him forever. And you know what? Friends, if you live for God, that may cost you some financial exploits. Your integrity may keep you from unjust gain, but look what they get. They get to be part of God's treasured possession. I'll take that any day over my own unjust treasure. And so on that day, students, like at the end of the world, at the very end, no one is going to be asking, what's the point of serving God again? Nobody's gonna be asking that because you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. And you know what the distinction is? Those who live with him or live for him get to be with him. That's the distinction. What's the point? Those who live for him, they will get to be with him forever. This is called eternal life. The distinction between good and evil will be clear for all. You know what I realize when I talk about this? Like as I'm, as I'm reading this text, as I'm preparing this message, like uh, this is Sam Cassis here talking, right? Like, you know what I realize? I realize that I need you. I realize that each and every single one of you, you need each other, right? Because when you go through moments, when you have these thoughts in, in high school and in university, when you're like, dude, like what's the point of serving God? I need you to remind me. When I lose sight of the big picture, I need you to paint a bigger picture. I need you to remind me, be like, dude, I know it seems worthless, but don't forget the book. Those who live with him or for him get to be with him. I need you, you need each other to remind us of, of things like Romans 2.6. 
You need to be like, Sam, I know it seems pointless. Sam, I know you've lost sight of the big picture, but remember, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. I need you to look at me in the eyes, even when I don't want to hear it, I need you to be like, bro, don't forget. Persevere, because those who live for him will get to be with him. We need each other, students. I talk about this a lot, but I guarantee you, you stop coming to citizens, you stop coming to church, you stop going to small group, you stop getting plugged in, you will see a direct correlation between your consistency and between your perspective of the big picture. When you're plugged in and you're serving and you're consistently attending and you're in your small group and you're surrounded by the community of God, when you're surrounded by those who fear the name of the Lord, you're more likely to keep perspective on the big picture. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the point of serving God. When you dip that, and you guys know it, I can, uh, to every single student here, to a man, I can guarantee you, how, does your spiritual life, uh, how is your spiritual life affected by your attendance? And all of you would go like this. It's a direct correlation. Because when I stop hanging out with the community of God, I start to lose sight, right? I start to forget the big picture. And I'm like, I, I, what's the point? I mean, you know, maybe it's not even necessary. Maybe I just, maybe. I, and before you know it, you're standing over here in the crowd of fools. And you're the one declaring, it's pointless to serve God. There's no profit in that. Students, I need you. I need you to remind me that those who live for him will get to be with him. Those who live for him will get to be with him. But those who don't live for him, they have a very different ending. Check it out. Chapter four, verse one. For behold, the day, everybody say the day. The day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Did it just get hot in here or is it me? All right. What is happening here? Oh my gosh, the Bible is so uncouth, right? The Bible is so inappropriate. Oh my gosh, these silly little Christians. Oh my <laughs> How many of you guys, be honest, how many of you guys kind of feel that a little bit in your soul, right? You're like, oh my gosh, my friends are here. Don't talk about the ablazing oven, right? Leave their root and branches intact, right? Dude, I'm gonna be honest. I'm reading this and I'm like, oh Lord, uh, is there any other way to talk about this? No, no, friends, here's what's happening in this word picture. Here's what's happening in this metaphor. Malachi's making it very clear. The day is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Everybody say day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Dude, how many of you read your Bibles, right? Dude, ah, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles more, okay? When you read your Bibles, shh, sleep. When you read your Bibles, when you read your Bibles, you start to realize, wait a minute, this is one big book. Wait a minute, this is one story. Wait a minute, I feel like I already read this. Oh, wait a minute, that's because he repeated everything he just said four books ago. The day of the Lord is one of those themes. It's everywhere, dude. 
Like the day of the Lord keeps coming up. The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. This day, that day, on that day, the day of Yahweh, the day of the Lord. Call it whatever you want. The day of the Lord is a common theme. And so we need to understand what the day of the Lord is, okay? The day of the Lord is simply this. It's the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, boof, right? I love my sixth grader pantomimes down there. They're just like happy hands, illustrating everything I say, right? Like the sun will rise. They're like, ah. <laughs> Don't encourage them, Sam. Don't encourage them. <laughs> Dude, why are my freshman guys not in the front row? Can I call them out publicly? Dude, my freshman guy, in the back, dude, you're killing me. Next week, freshman guys up front, dude. Oh, man. Anyway, anyway, shh, sleep, okay? So here's what it is. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the end of the story. It's when the fat lady sings. It's the final note. The day of the Lord is when God comes and finally ends his plans. God's plan that he started on page one to redeem humanity and to rid the world of sin, the day of the Lord is that he comes and decisively finishes it. It's over. That's the day of the Lord, right? That's the day of the Lord. And so here's my question. Is the day of the Lord a good day or a bad day? What do you think? Is the day of the Lord a good day? Is that a happy day or is that a scary day? Is that a bad day or is that a day of rejoicing? Is that like a yes, the day of the Lord, or is it like the day of the Lord? Say it again, Hannah. Say it in the microphone. Depends on who you are. It depends on who you are. That's exactly right. The day when God will come and finish his plan of redemption is either going to be a great day or a horrible day. And so look what the text says, right? For the wicked, this will be a day of destruction, okay? Look what it says. Burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. Oh my gosh, the oven. What's stubble? I'm glad you asked. So here we go. I know I'm not great at these like planting metaphors and I know I'm not a professional agriculturer, but here's the thing, all right? This is wheat. Can I have a Camus farmer confirm or deny this? Thank you. So these are wheats, right? Wheat stalks, stalks, the L is silent. So here's what happens, right? You go, you go, and when you pick up the wheat, after you take away all the little grains, like imagine a peanut, how there's like the heavy peanut, and then there's like the shell, that for some reason when you're at Five Guys, like all the house rolls are out and you just throw them on the floor, you know, all right? So it's that kind of light stuff. And so you take away the nut, you take away the grain, and you're left with this just like fluffy stuff, you know? It's just light and it's papery. And so what they would do is they would pick it up and they're just, and just picking it up and throwing it. And as they pick up the wheat, all of the heavy stuff, just like a peanut, falls to the ground. But what does the wind do with all this light stuff? Blows it away. And before you know it, all the heavy stuff is in front of you, the good stuff, the grain, the food, but the, the, the chaff, right? You're like, chaff, that's what I do when my legs rub together. No, that's chafe, okay? <laughs> chaff, very different. You're like, why are they talking about chafing in the Bible? Yeah, different, right? So the chaff gets thrown away. <clears throat> and you know where the chaff goes? Everybody just got super uncomfortable. What? Hey, we're family. We can talk about a little chub rub, right? Come on now, right? I get it. Right? It's hot out. And so what happens is, <laughs> what happens is, <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, what happens is, do you know where the chaff goes? It goes into the oven. 
Like the chaff, this whole process, the chaff only has one destination. The oven. It's going to burn. It's useless. It's going to be thrown into the oven and reduced to ashes. And God says, that's what the wicked are like. The wicked, they're like, they're like the pointless chaff that one day when I'm drawing my people to me and those who live for me get to be with me, they're gonna be like the ones that get thrown into the oven because that's the day that they'll realize everything that they've ever lived for, all the pursuits, all the profits and the, things, and the unjust gain and the things that they thought were purposeful, all of those things will be exposed as pointless. Nobody on that day is gonna be standing there going, man, that was a great decision. No, the wicked they're going to be reduced to nothing. The day of the Lord. It's a day of destruction. But those who serve God, this is a day of celebration. Like, you need to understand this. Like, if you're a Christian, you don't need to, like, watch those horrible Christian movies about the book of Revelation and have nightmares. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, I was a Christian kid. I grew up and I would watch the Left Behind films and every time I would watch one of those horrendous movies, I would get saved all over again. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, God, please, please don't come. I don't want the dragon. God, please. You know, and it's like, and what makes me so mad about that is that if you're a Christian, the book of Revelation is not a horror story. It's a promise. The book of Revelation is the sickest book in the Bible because it's guaranteeing Christians, it's guaranteeing those who serve God, we will win. We're guaranteeing Christians that in the end, the chaff will be burned up and God will officially remove all the pain. God will, God will finally remove all the sorrow. God will remove all the tears. And so if you're a Christian, the day of the Lord, the final day is not a day of destruction, it's a day of celebration. It's the day that every pain and every wrong that we've ever witnessed or experienced, every tear that we've ever shed will be no more because sin is gone. Evil is gone. Human trafficking is gone. Rape is gone. Aborting babies is gone. Stealing is gone. Envy is gone. Murder is gone. All the things that have broken our world, they will be gone. And those who have lived for him will get to be with him forever. what he says here. He says, for those who fear my name, this is not a day of destruction. For those who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise. Dude, I love the word pictures, right? Don't you guys love the poetry? The sun of righteousness, meaning it's going to be a new day. And when this day dawns, it's a day of righteousness. Righteousness wins the day. Righteousness is the culture after that day. It will have healing in its wings. Like I said, all of the pains you think it feels good to, to get some ointment when you scrape yourself? Dude, what does it feel like to have ointment for your soul? Healing. <laughs> You're gonna go out leaping like calves from the stall. <laughs> Dude, the pig, it's just a poet. You're like, I'm gonna be a cow? No, it's poetry. Imagine a little baby calf, right? Calf, and they're just like in their stall. And they're like, let me out already, right? And you're like, no, because I'm making veal, right? <laughs> so sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's horrible. But they're like, let me out already, right? And they're just like so bound up. And the guy like opens the gate and they're like, yeah! <laughs> right? And they're just like leaping because they're happy. Dude, some of you students in here, like, you just don't look like you've been happy in a long time. 
right? Like, and I'm, I'm not being joking, right? I'm not joking. Like, seriously, like, there's even almost this, like, thing in our culture now, if you're in high school, that it's almost cool to not be happy. And, like, there's no joy, and it's almost, like, weak if you're happy. And, like, now the cool thing is, is, like, this reserved um, apathy. I don't feel anything. Yeah, I'm just chill. I'm going with the flow. Dude, joy! Joy! Smile! Can, you, can I just hear a smile? Like, that's the day of the Lord. On the day of the Lord, when, guys, when sin is no more, not only sin in the world, right? Let me, let me be clear. This is not the kind of thing where we're like, yeah, I can't wait till the sinners are removed. No, like the sin is going to be removed from our heart. That's what's going to make this so joyful. The sin is removed from our own hearts, and we will leap like calves and be joyful because we're no longer slaves. We're no longer addicted. We're no longer habitual sinners. For the righteous, the day of the Lord is coming. And it will be a, a, joy, a day of joyful celebration. What's the appropriate response to seeing this picture? When I'm telling you that the day of the Lord is coming, that the day is drawing near, when I'm telling you literally the end is near, what is your response to realizing that the day is coming? What's your response to realizing that God is coming and he's going to bring a decisive end to all of this? What's our response? There's only one. Check it. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter desecration. That's the end of Malachi. And the final point that Malachi is making is that you should live this day in light of that day. Guys, the day is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. That day will be here before you know it. And so you know what your response should be? Live this day in light of that day. Follow God. He says it here. He says, because the day of the Lord is coming, remember the law. Students, you know what this means for you? Don't live a life for yourself. Don't live a life that's ruled by your own ambitions. Don't live a life that is ultimately guided by the expectations of the culture around you. Live a life that is undeniably devoted to the instruction of the Lord. What's the roadmap of your life? What determines the way that you live? What are your guiding principles? What is your, what is your ultimate level of devotion? He says here, remember the law of the Lord. Remember the law of the Lord. How, Sam? How could I remember the law of the Lord? Where can I find this? He says, I gave it to my servant Moses. I gave it to Moses on the mountain and he passed it on. Where do we find the law of Moses? The first five books of the Bible. What's that called? It's called the Torah or the Torah, right? The Torah literally means the instruction. And so guys, did you know this? Like this is crazy. The whole Old Testament can be summarized in the first five books of the Bible, because that's God's law. And after that, everything after that is the working out and the application of that instruction. You get into the history. That's the story of God's people 
working with the law. You get to the prophets, like Malachi. That's the story of God's prophets calling them out for not obeying the law. You get to the Psalms, and that's, a, that's the, the story of God's people telling him how much they love his law. He says, you want, follow my law. Listen to Moses. Listen to Moses. Not only, did, not only should you listen to Moses, look, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. What's going on here? Remember the messenger? How many of you remember the messenger from a few weeks ago? God, nobody was here? All right, let's start all over. So go to chapter, no, no, right? God, you're like, no, please, please, I'll listen, right? Dude, God said, I'm coming, but before I come, I'm going to send a messenger, and he will be the, he'll be the herald, and he'll come, and he'll get to point to me, right? And so he says, the messenger's coming, but here, he calls the messenger Elijah the prophet. Wait a minute, Elijah lived like 200 years ago. Elijah's gonna raise from the dead? No. This is a mess, the messenger's going to come in the spirit of Elijah, meaning with the message of Elijah. And what was Elijah's message? Repent. So he's like calling him. He's like, dude, this is like Elijah 2.0. I'm sending you Elijah. I'm sending you the spirit. I'm sending you the same message that Elijah had. And what's that message? Repent. Turn your hearts. And so we see this idiom there. I just, I just love language. Idiom. That doesn't mean that, like you're a fool. That's idiot. Idiom means like an expression or a saying, you know? And so the idiom here is that they will, the, the hearts of the children will turn to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers will turn to the children. This is an idiom meaning they will have a change of heart. Turning their hearts, that's an idiom meaning they will repent. They will have a change of heart. They will have a change of direction. And this change of direction will be expressed as otherness. So instead of you taking advantage of other people, instead of you looking out for numero uno, your life will now be characterized by love for those closest to you. Because the way that you love God is loving others. So that's what that expression means. And so he says, I'm sending to you Elijah, and he's going to prepare the way. How? By calling people to repent. He's going to call people to follow God's instructions. And so the messenger, he comes, and he calls Israel. The messenger, he comes, and he calls you. He says, repent, follow the instruction of God. Students, the messenger calls you. We went to John the Baptist and we saw the messenger calls you. He says, the day of the Lord is coming. And so repent. Dude, John the Baptist probably was one of those guys outside the stadium where you walk by and you're like, kind of smell, you haven't shaved in a long time. That was his shtick, right? But the message is the same. He's like, guys, the end is near. The day of the Lord is coming. And so repent, because if you don't, the day will be a day of destruction. And so he says, repent. Follow the instruction of God. What's the point? There's no point in serving God. Yes, those who live for him will get to be with him. And so when the messenger comes, when he calls people to repent, he's not just telling you to listen to the instruction that Moses gave on a mountain. Check it. Guys, listen, we're ending here. Band, get ready. Not yet. Just get ready. Okay, listen. Listen. When the messenger comes, he's not just saying, listen to the law of Moses. He actually says this. He says, listen to the law of the new Moses. Don't just listen to the instructions that Moses gave when he was on a mountain. Listen to the new Moses. 
The one who, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened up his mouth and taught them. Who's the new Moses? Who's this? In Matthew 5. Who is this, guys? Matthew 5. He says, listen to the instruction that I gave you through Moses. Behold, the prophet is going to come and call you to repentance. But when the prophet points to me, when the prophet tells you to listen to the instruction, he's not just going to point to Moses. He's not pointing to the one who just passed on information from God. He's pointing to the one who came on a mountain and gave instruction as God. And it's Jesus Christ. Students, you want to follow the instruction of the Lord? Listen to the new Moses. You want to know what the law of the Lord is? Listen to the one who went up on a mountain and then sat down and he spoke with authority. And he says, you want me to teach you how to follow God? Follow me. And look at this. This is the greatest dot, dot, dot ever. He opened up his mouth and taught them. What did he teach them? Well, I guess you're gonna have to come back in four weeks because we're beginning a brand new series to kick off this summer. And the series is gonna be the Sermon on the Mount. And we're gonna go through Matthew chapter five. Eventually we'll go through Matthew six and seven, but we're gonna see what Jesus teaches. We're going to see how we can follow the instruction of the Lord because we're gonna listen to the new Moses. And we're gonna listen to Jesus break it down. And his message is simply, follow me. And students, I'm here tonight to tell you one thing about Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell all of you, Christian, non-Christian, church kid, non-church kid, wherever you are, here's the one thing you need to know about following Jesus. Those who live for him will get to be with him.